again, it's been a long time. There are new faces here who have never met other board members before in person. So yeah. I think it's exciting, um, but we are going to have to pass this one last time just to have this teleconferencing meeting tonight um, because you're required to pass it every 30 days and it's been over 30 days since our last meeting in January. Great. Um, so are there any questions about that, about meeting in person or anything before I ask if there's a motion for the resolution? Does, does yep. everyone have their badges and all the things that they need to officially check in? Um, I don't, Loretta. Okay. I do. I have mine. I have mine. Okay, who who doesn't? Derek, you don't? No, I don't. Well, Anyone else? I don't have mine yet. Yeah. Okay, and Tammy? Okay. So I guess Brenda or Heather, you'll reach out to them for that? Yes, I'm working on it. Okay, perfect. And, and are we still meeting um, in the HP building downstairs on the third floor in one of the conference rooms? I believe that's the plan, but that will all be posted in the agenda um, that we post on Friday. So we'll let everyone know oh, okay. exactly okay, where perfect. to go there. If there are any questions, uh, as always, you can feel free to reach out to Heather or I. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Yep, of course. Anything else before I ask for a motion to pass the resolution um, pursuant to AB 361? Nope. Okay. Um, then I'll put the action item forward if a board member would like to make a motion to pass the resolution pursuant to sixty-one. I move to adopt the resolution to authorize a remote teleconference meeting pursuant to AB 361. Brenda, would you mind taking a vote on that motion? I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Loretta Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. B. Franks Walker? Yes. Tammy Wosell? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. Okay, so we um, are on item D, which is our medical director report. Dr. Francis. Evening, everyone. Um, I just wanted to um, share like a moment I had in uh, clinic last week because I, I realized that I used to try to tell you guys some patient stories um, at the beginning of these meetings and I've gotten away from doing that and uh, uh, Richard and Loretta um, just reminded me how nice that is to, to hear from us as clinicians about uh, about the work a little bit more directly every once in a while. So last week in clinic, um, I had three patients in a row who I had met when they were homeless. Um, all of them, at the moment I met them with, you know, really serious chronic medical problems. Um, so one of whom was um, using meth and drinking a lot of alcohol with really poorly controlled asthma. And, um, and uh, another of whom um, was uh, severely depressed. Um, and another of whom 
chronic wound and heart failure and um, and all three of those patients, three in a row, all of them in the time they've been working with us at Alameda Health System and at the Adult Immunology Clinic have been supported by us in various ways through connecting with, you know, either HIV-specific housing doctor programs or connecting with other programs in the community or working through their own networks have been connected with housing. And all of them are significantly better. It was this moment of, you know, three patients in a row who, um, who are just so much healthier, so much happier, so grateful for the care that we provided. And I think it's in the context of knowing, right, homelessness is going up every two years by between 20 and 40%, you know, over the last three or four homeless counts. Um, that kind of obscures the fact that our delivery system for people experiencing homelessness is still very, very good. We are still doing a really, really good job as a system, not just here at Alameda Health System, mm -hmm. helping people who are homeless find housing and um, and helping them get healthier in a bunch of other ways. The problem in our system really, really is every year more and more people are becoming newly homeless. Right. The housing market, the rental market is just, we cannot keep up with it with our program level activities. But I was reminded in that, you know, that one clinic session, three patients, I don't know if it was all in a row, but it was three out of, you know, just a few that I saw in a half day, all of whom really had had these really tremendous outcomes and uh, and really just felt like it's a testament to, to the importance of the work we do, you know, in spite of the fact that sometimes it feels like, gosh, uh, is this is such an overwhelming problem, you know. So I wanted to share that uh, with you all. Oh, thank you, Damien. Thanks for sharing. Housing is health care. Housing is, is, is health care. So we I keep agree. saying that. We keep saying that. Oh, yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else I could have done, right? There was no set of medicines that would have accomplished what, what housing did in mm -hmm. those patients, right? And it's just, it, when you when you do the work, it just stares you in the face all the time, you know, when you get yeah. to see um, when you get to see people move through that that spectrum, that you know, housing is health, and there's no there's no other there's no replacement for that. Mm -mm. None whatsoever. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. That's great. Did you have more to share, Damon? That's it for the medical director report. Um, okay. I don't, you know, the main COVID news, we, you know, we talked about with Kayla. I'm happy to take any questions on the kind of usual topics we talk about. I know Lucy's on as well. And so if there's any questions, you know, about system-wide COVID response or or, uh, or other issues, um, I'm happy to take those. I did have one question. Um, is Oakland experiencing the um, introduction of the drug trank as San Francisco is seeing it uh, in patients with overdosing. Do you know? I don't know any information about that. I'm, I'm curious if Lucy does. I can talk, uh, the mayor did a, a full report on that. Like, it sounds very scary. Yeah. This is Lucy Kazan from Healthcare for the Almost High. Nice to join Hi. you all here again tonight. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that we, Definitely Alameda County is not where San Francisco is in terms of testing our drug supply. But I mm -hmm. think anecdotally, we are certainly um, seeing more of it here. And of course, as so much as it relates to our drug supply, we really kind of see the impacts first really hit on the East Coast. Um, so there's a lot of kind of discussions about how we can kind of really best prepare because 
right? So much of our work, you know, uh, overdose work is really centered on Narcan, which is not effective. Exactly. Really. And so how are we getting that education out? And so often when people use Narcan, they don't call 911. And the fact that, um, uh, you know, medical interventions and, you know, a trip to the ER is really likely going to be needed to save somebody. So I think we've been talking about it kind of at the provider level, but there's a lot more that needs to happen. And so I'm happy to um, continue to give Damon updates. Oh, that um, would be great. Yeah. No, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. It's very scary. It is. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it a um, an animal tranquilizer? Isn't that correct, Lucy? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like rapidly, definitely defer to the medical folks, Dr. Max, Dr. Francis, on the call. But yeah, it like rapidly lowers folks' blood pressure. Um, yeah, it's 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 very scary, and I think people are so you know, um, yeah, just our ability to respond. Um, yeah. Yeah. I went through a similar thing in residency training with another drug called levamisol that was being cut into some of the drug supply and causing similar problems with, um, you know, fingers and toes and um, just really kind of horrific cardiovascular problems that, you know, mutations and things like that. So it's um, a serious issue, but I I don't know anything about the epidemiology of of, uh, Trank in, in our area right now. Yeah. Well, I know it's it's prevalent enough for San Francisco for the mayor to speak on it because I know she did, and um, you know they they autopsy all of the overdoses, and that's a new drug they're finding mixed in with you know the fentanyl and everything else. So. Is this this new drug Loretta a depressant, or is it what type of a? Uh, um, it's a, it's a it's a tranquilizer that they use for animals, large animals, not not even you know little cats and dogs. We're talking large animals, and it supposedly just you know slows down your blood pressure, your heart rate, everything, everything that opioids do, but it supposedly even more. That's what I was told. So it is a downer then. Oh yes, oh yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Scary. So scary. It is. It is. And what's what's very sad is that a lot of the users, you know, especially teenagers, they don't know what they're getting. You know, it, it it's just um, very scary situation. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to D. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, E. Our strategic plan report. And Damon, I will let you start on that. Thanks, great. This is our quarterly update on the strategic plan that we adopted a little bit over a year ago in January 2022, which lasts for three years. Um, And I think there was a PowerPoint uh, slide deck. Yeah, thank you. Um, You can go to the first slide. So um, I think this is potentially new for Derek and Tammy. So we went through a strategic planning process that's required by HRSA, mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know specifies the 
priorities for the health center over the next few years and adopts a related uh, capital spending plan and David, um, for three David, years. Can you, can, you, can you explain what HRSA is? Sorry, Thanks. yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're doing the acronym thing. So the Health Resources and Services Administration, I think, uh, it's a federal agency that oversees all of the health center programs, including all the health care for the homeless programs around the country. And it really sets the standards for how we're supposed to both govern and operate the, the health centers. Um, in our case, those standards are not overseen by HRSA themselves. Um, the county, um, represented by um, Lucy Kazan, who's on the phone now, um, oversees that we're following the standards created by HRSA. So we, as a governing board, you know, inside of our operations at Alameda Health System, we follow the same standards that Lifelong follows, that La Clinica de la Raza follows, that Delta Health Center in Mississippi follows. Those are all kind of um, stipulated at the national level. And, and they were really designed in the 60s as part of the civil rights movement um, and, and the desire to extend you know, health care to um, populations that weren't receiving health care at the time. So they're really meant to enforce the fact that we you know, have a governing board that has a majority of patients on it, that we plan our services on the basis of need in the community. So the strategic planning process is really a core part of the of the regulations. And thanks, Loretta, for giving me the opportunity to kind of frame it again for um, for some of our newer members. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, so we went through this process as a board. We used our regular board meetings um, to do a lot of the work of strategic planning. And then we um, and then uh, we had a, a retreat where we actually identified some priority areas and condensed those down in, into a, a few just very high-level um, areas, conceptual areas with some goals underneath. So our first goal was maximize the care that people experiencing homelessness receive for acute and chronic illnesses at the earliest opportunity and in the locations and settings that work best for them. And this was really encapsulated in this concept of drop-in that we, that we wanted to pursue. We were seeing that drop-in services across our system just tended to work best for people experiencing homelessness. You know, no need for an appointment. It's like, this is when it works for me to show up. Let's try to do everything we can for you in, in that moment. Um, that was a really strong sentiment among the co-applicant board members. And so one of the clinics in our system that was doing the best job of that was the Bridge Clinic, um, which treats substance use disorder. That, you know, we can ask them about Trank in an upcoming um, session when they come back to, to update us on how it's going. But we've really worked to get that clinic added to our scope of services, which allows that clinic in our system to benefit from um, the higher rates that are paid to federally qualified health centers um, like the Homeless Health Center. So there's parts of our system at Alameda Health System that are part of the Homeless Health Center. There are parts that are not part of the Homeless Health Center. And one of the key early components of our strategic plan was to make the Bridge Clinic part of our health center so that we could help them get paid the way that a health center gets paid for the really important drop-in substance use treatment services that they're providing. Um, so um, we completed the milestones that were related to this by January 2023 that we had in the plan, but we're just updating you on what's happened with the Bridge Clinic since then. So we're currently working with uh, other members within Alameda Health System to develop a rate setting plan to set a new payment rate for the Bridge Clinic to make sure that, that um, we can sustainably support that service. And then there are some clinical pilots underway um, under the idea of maximizing the care that people can, 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 um, can receive 
to treat not just um, substance use disorders, but also to treat hepatitis C in the Bridge Clinic. So they have some pilots underway to see if we can, if we can treat additional um, problems that really impact that population uh, in the Bridge Clinic. So that's really, really exciting. Oh, yeah. That's great. Um, the second area was, um, you know, we knew from our needs assessment, which was presented by Dr. Wanda Johnson during the strategic planning process, that dental needs are, you know, for the last decade or more, the, the highest reported need among people experiencing homelessness and the needs assessment that, that we conducted, you know, we borrowed heavily from the one that the county conducted uh, among people experiencing homelessness. And so um, one of those, um, you know, Acute, set of acute, acute and chronic illnesses we really wanted to try to create drop-in services and highly accessible services for was dental clinic. And so um, we've been working really hard to um, bring more equipment into our mobile health dental program and then to develop a new, um, a new dental van that's just purely designed for dental services that can go to drop-in and recovery sites. And so um, those things are both um, are both moving forward. Our dental van. We're planning by the by the next update that you receive from me, which should be in May. Um, our dental van should be um, close to up and running, if not up and running by that point in time. And so maybe we'll have some pictures of that um, for you guys. Um, and then in addition to that, we received an award from Alameda County um, to expand the availability of dental services at the Highland campus that are specifically for people who've been evaluated out in the field by healthcare for the homeless social workers or by all social workers to be able to have priority access to get in and receive care in our system. So we're really grateful to the county. Oh, that's good. Um, recognizing our application and deciding to fund us on that one. Mm -hmm. And then um, in the third area, we said we were gonna develop additional budget proposals to expand drop-in services. Um, this you know, we have not, this was a TBD due date. You know, we, we acknowledge that we didn't know exactly when we are going to be able to do things in the later part of the strategic plan, 2023, 2024. What we're, one of the things we're doing in this area right now is we have just under our existing budget, um, a few patients per month. Um, so one night a week, we're at a syringe exchange in East Oakland providing drop-in addiction treatment services and primary care services. And we're really looking to use that experience to develop a clinical model and staffing needs and a budget proposal to expand to other syringe exchange sites so that we're able to provide okay. that service there. We're really having a lot of success with primary care connections there. Um, just, you know, in the small numbers that we have so far compared to some of our other services, I think people really find they're able to make a connection with the clinician and then they want to go see that clinician in the, in, you know, in the um, health center or the wellness center setting. So that's, that's really, really working for us in a way that our traditional mobile services, I think, struggled to kind of get people from one setting to another setting, which led us to, to develop the strategic goal in this way and say, we're going to stop trying to like connect people from one setting to another setting. Let's just build low barrier settings and have people feel like they're already connected just by being at that low barrier setting rather than having to go from that low barrier setting to then get an appointment, go to financial counseling, blah, 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 to even get in to see the same doctor. So this Right now, it's really small. Like I said, it's 10 patients a month, just you know, piloting in our existing budget. But for me, it's really been a really strong proof of concept that when we push primary care out instead of trying to like refer people in, um, we we get a lot better engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, is this bringing the? Um, is this through the mobile van? This is the mobile health cost center um, and the mobile health program, but it. 
our van actually doesn't go out. It's a partnership with the Health Education and Prevention Project of Alameda County, or HEPI, oh, okay. um, who also partners with us in the Bridge Clinic. So um, our clinician sees patients on their van, actually, um, but we use our health record and our chart, um, mm -hmm. and, um, and then we can schedule people in to see her in follow-up at her regular clinic location at Eastmont Wellness Center. So um, do primary care physicians, are they invited to, you know, um, serve one night a week or whatever, whenever this happens as they want to, or how does that work? This is a single clinician with a lot of expertise in this population who's starting out this pilot program. I think under that second bullet in terms of developing a clinical model, um, I'd like to work towards something where we have, you know, many more clinicians involved than just a single clinician. But, but right now, you know, especially since we're in the early phases, we're working with someone who's really an expert in this area, um, mm -hmm. Kirsten Flagg, who I don't think you all have met. Yeah. Um, but she's, a, she's a, a nurse practitioner who's been working with us for about a year and uh, was at Lifelong previously. And it's just a really, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't try this program with just anyone starting out, to be right, honest. Right. Yeah. Well, but but the goal, I think, Loretta, is to get to something like what you're talking about. And that for that, we'll need, you know, to have a, a strong idea of what the program actually is and then develop a budget proposal. We're doing this just with our existing budget by, you know, moving wow. some pieces around to get one clinician out there. So does she um, see patients at Eastmont? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a regular okay. primary care provider at Eastmont, and this is okay. uh, we, we um, were able to get part of her time dedicated to mobile since since Wanda is spending part of her time at Eastmont, so that's kind yeah, of part of the yeah. able to do. Okay, that works good. Um, but we still haven't seen any many uh, come into this area, right? As far as establishing a drop a drop in clinic for maybe each wellness center. I think the bridge the bridge clinic really, you know, we got a, a pretty substantial expansion um, via the bridge clinic, but I don't. Um, I can't report to you yet how that shows up on the budget, um, like last year's budget compared to this year's budget. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a, that actually is a substantial amount of money um, that's gone toward the bridge clinic expansion, uh -huh. the mobile health dental expansion. You know, that's primarily grant funding that's fitting just within the cost center that Heather and I oversee, but not within the the broader homeless health center budget so much hasn't been impacted. And yeah, in the final area, that's all, that's all budget neutral. Um, so yeah, the area here. because our, our goal, I mean, I know we talked about having a, um, a clinic open at each wellness center for the uh, homeless population to visit, correct? We, we did not adopt that as a specific milestone in the, in the strategic plan, but I think, Conceptually, that was absolutely part of the discussions that that you know that we had as a co-applicant board. I mean, you 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 all, except for Derek and Tammy, you all were there and know that you know that was really the spirit. Um, but we wanted to we wanted to make sure that for the first year of the plan, we had some really specific milestones that were dedicated to work that we mm -hmm. thought we could actually get done. Right. I think it's proved to be pretty challenging to collaborate with the wellness centers in the development of drop-in services. Um, because you know we are we have just such big staffing and leadership um, challenges in the organization right now, and a lot of difficulty just with our basic operations. Um, 
you know, without the idea of trying to create new programs that, you know, that, that, that do something new. But I certainly would like to see us over the next couple of years be able to advance that goal um, that you said, Loretta, having something drop in available at each of the wellness locations. Um, I think it's going to it's going to take a real budget expansion again, which I'm I'm not in a position to report back to you on right now. Right. We still have our evening clinic at primary care for um, different things like shots and so forth. Is that still happening? I'm not sure what the evening hours are now at each of the at each of the locations. I don't think there are too many, but I, I can't answer that actually without doing some mm -hmm. research and getting back to you. Because mm -hmm. that could be, I don't know, I, I could see the drop-in clinic fitting in there too in the evening, you know, with... Yeah. Uh, and certainly that's something that you all um, have authority over um, is the hours of operation at our wellness center sites. Um, so, um, you know, as a co-applicant board, if you would direct us to try to expand hours, I think it's something we, you know, we'd have to look into and see if we could come up with some realistic proposals to, to try to do. Um, I'm not sure, you know, with the population of people experiencing homelessness that later hours um, really works that well for a lot of the population. People okay. are generally trying to get their stuff together who are sheltered and, um, and trying to, um, and then people who are unsheltered are generally trying to be in a safe place um, in the evenings. And so the yeah, evenings that's true. Yeah. haven't for always been the greatest yeah. for, for wellness center sites. Mm -hmm. For going out, you know, the evening has proved pretty great for the syringe exchange program for us moving out into the community. Right. Um, but it's, it's something we can, I'll, I'll keep a note and something we can talk about as we revisit the strategic plan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we, um, you guys mind if we move to the second goal? We can always come back if there are more questions here. Sure, go ahead. So in our, um, our second goal area, um, just going back a little bit again for Derek and Tammy's benefit, mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we focus mostly in our conversations, in our first conversations uh, in our retreat as a co-applicant board on what we wanted to see happen programmatically. Um, but when Heather and I looked at what we wanted to see happen programmatically, like have drop-in services at all the wellness center sites, you know, we, we came back as staff and said, we're really gonna need to make sure we ensure sustainable funding and infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, to support existing and expanded services, that not having this as a goal would really effectively mean we weren't doing much, as I think Loretta began to point out in the last conversation, to do the other two goals that we had in our plan. So we we recommended to the co-applicant board to um, to think about you know how we think about our financing as being a, as being a goal, and the co-applicant board enthusiastically agreed with us uh, on that when we came back with with this as a as a um, as a proposed goal. So. Um, we're really, we're really doing less well in this area. Um, we had established a milestone of adopting a CAB member with specific finance expertise, and we've tried to do some recruitment through our AHS Foundation Board um, and some other locations, and have not yet been able to bring someone in who can, who can help us, um, you know, really analyze the finances of the health center at the co-applicant board level. Um, so of course, if anyone has, you know, anyone they'd like to recommend, um, we're still, this is still something that we very much want to do. And as you all know, we, we do have some open seats um, on the quality yeah. board now and recruitment is, is active and underway. 
right, so who does the census on that in that area? Say that again. Who does the census in that area normally? The census? Yeah, yeah. The intake, the uh, the the fluctuation of uh, people in and out of who's who's uh, orientated. Uh, you know, the numbers from month to month, week to week, day to day. Who uh, monitors that? Uh, at the board level, we don't have any subcommittees. I don't know if that's where, where you're asking the question, Derek, with regard to this first. Um, this first bullet is actually for a co-applicant board member. So our board of trustees has a, a finance subcommittee, mm -hmm. and that finance subcommittee would monitor things like utilization, you know, how many people are coming in and out of the facility, what kinds of services are they getting, are we getting paid for them. The finance committee of our board of trustees would look at that. We as a co-applicant board have the ability to have subcommittees, um, I don't know if we have the staff capacity to support mm -hmm. subcommittees. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what information we'd present you or, or anything like that. And we don't have members who've specified this as their own expertise that they could actually do this um, for us. So I think that's, that's one of the things we put in was, you know, we'd like to, I think as you're pointing out, have yeah. someone at the governance level who's really thinking about these things, you know, in, in that kind of direct way. Yeah, because it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, vary from drug to drug and person to person, seeing that we uh, under attack by different substances and new things that people are experiencing and trying. And, um, you know, it's gonna kind of fluctuate. And so we kind of want to get a step ahead. That's what I want to kind of see uh, how many people is coming. Do we need people here at this time? Do we need people here at that time? So that we can, kinda, you know, um, kind of treat the people who come in or if they're coming in, or why, or why not? Are they coming in, or why not? You know what I mean, Jeremy? So that, so that we could kind of monitor, uh, you know, these new drugs and these new uh, findings and things that people are trying right now because they have a different effect, and a lot of them have that effect in order for for people to deal with the mindset, their mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So on the quality side, we have a different cycle for our quality presentation, um, which which will address some of that. Like, what are the numbers of people we do have? We do actually have some good data collection, I think, in terms of the hospital and, you know, how many folks we're seeing from substance use disorders in the hospital, um, what types of issues are they having. Um, so they're on the, on the sort of clinical side of the question you're asking. I think we do have some of that data actually inside of our system, and we can, we can work with some of our colleagues like Evan Rousseauha, who's our medical director of quality, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think he would be someone who could, who could answer and speak to some of those questions and we could have him come present in a quality segment, which we do, which we alternate with talking about other, other elements of the, um, of the, of the health center. Um, but I think there's a connection to the finances, right? It's like, if we're seeing more in this area or then are we spending enough in that area? Is that where we want to invest, which is, which is what makes you bring it up here? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, so moving, moving to the second line, um, we, uh, we said that it would be necessary for us to have some dedicated financial analyst time for the Homeless Health Center. Yes. Um, and we wanted to complete that by July of 2022. Um, you all have met John Minot, who actually works in our um, uh, population health area um, and has been doing some great work for us looking at both supplemental funding and potential alternative payment models for, um, for the FQHC. He's been a really great partner to Heather and myself, um, to Dr. Mack, and so it's fantastic.
fantastic to have him. And that's why I list this as partially completed um, because, you know, I think he's really substantially filled in some of the gaps in this area. Um, I will say that, um, you know, we continue to also work with the ambulatory financial team who you've met, Elzeba has um, presented at these meetings, um, Grace Messina. Um, but I think um, we have quite a ways to go to get the specific financial information that we need for the homeless health center. And so this, this is still something that, you know, we're now seven months, I think eight months past this due date, not, not having completed. Um, so for, for those of you that don't know, FQHC is the Federally Qualified Health Center, which we are. Um, who's, who sets up, it, it, is there a federal guideline that um, the government makes and says, okay, we're going to pay XYZ if you meet these requirements? Or how does that work, Damon? Do you know? Yeah, so the federal government qualifies you as a federally qualified health center. Mm -hmm. And they have, they have, there's a broad regulation, Section 330 of the Public Health Act, that says, in broad outlines, if you're doing things in these areas um, for healthcare, you know, doctor's visits, et cetera, um, you will be paid the costs of those things if you are a federally qualified health center, if we qualify you under, the, under, this, um, under this federal act. And then it delegates to the states exactly the mechanism of doing that. Um, which uh, and, and says you should do it through a prospective payment system. So typically it's done by what we're doing at the Bridge Clinic right now. We're, we're calculating all the costs for a service, then we're figuring out how many of those services we delivered, and then, you know, which is typically the, the clinic visit is the, is, the main, um, is, the, is the main, you know, thing that we use, the main denominator that we use, and then you divide those roughly. There's a lot more complexity behind it, obviously, and then you get a PPS rate, but the rate was designed in a way that it will cover all your costs for delivering okay. that service. And that's what the federal statute says, says, you know, federally qualified health centers that the states must do for federally qualified health centers. Um, who, that's, the, that's the kind of breakdown of the, of the finances. Is the, um, is it different for every state? There are the parts that are the same is that the costs are supposed to be fully covered across the states and the, the structure of the prospective payment system or PPS rate setting system is broadly outlined in the in, in federal statute. Mm -hmm. and, but then the states administer it in a lot of different ways. And then as you all heard, um, you know, when John Minot came to present about this APM, this alternative payment methodology, many states are really experimenting with other ways to pay because we do a lot of other things other than visits that are really valuable for patients. Like those three patients that, you know, yeah. I talked to you about, they got a lot of work that wasn't from me in a doctor's visit that helped them get housed and helped them get a lot healthier and yet isn't really captured in the payment of a visit rate. And so, you know, everyone's acknowledging that and trying to figure out how can we figure out how to pay for healthcare in more flexible and creative ways that allow us to work with teams, right? And you know, here, um, Dr. Mack and, and Tangerine, our, our head of population health, I think um, have been participating along with Heather and myself and John Minot, you know, and, and you guys have heard about this and trying to figure out, is this something that Alameda Health System should participate in so that we can, you know, we can try to benefit from some flexible dollars. Um, and I think there's, you know, a lot of that work is, is very nitty gritty and still underway to figure out not, not 
mostly not if, I would say mostly when it makes sense for us to try to engage yeah. with what the state's doing around these, these payment initiatives. It's very early stages here. The state does not have anyone on APMs right now. I think in the first year of the pilot program, we're likely to have like a handful of clinics around the state experimenting with this. Um, but I think we're keeping an eye on it and trying to decide if we want to be involved in those new payment mechanisms. So does the managed health care plans through Medicare also affect you? Absolutely. Yeah, the managed health care plans are a core part of uh, of the payment structure. Um, it, it's well, a the big... problem, the, there's a problem there then because I can tell you from my own personal experience, there is only one managed health care plan that I could even consider if I wanted to keep my physicians at um, AHS, only one. So, it, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of complexity embedded in it, yes. It's a challenge. It, it, working with managed health care outside of Medicaid especially is a challenge, but even inside of Medicaid, within the statutes that are set up for friendly qualified health centers, start mm -hmm. making the system very, very complicated. Yeah, definitely. I, I do envy sometimes the smaller states where every the FQHC is just dealing directly with the state, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. not dealing with plans in between the, uh, us and the state. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, so just in the final two areas here, we, we just, you know, decided that these would be TBD, um, and we would reconsider around this point in time. We're, we're a little bit over a year into our strategic plan, when and how we would be able to do these things. So comparing our current and projected allowable costs, to our federally qualified health center revenue at the approved sites and recommend for or against rate changes so that the staff would come to you and say, we actually think what we're providing costs more than what we're being paid and we deserve to be paid more and federal statute says we should be paid our costs and therefore we're recommending to you to pursue a rate change at XYZ Wellness Center or to establish a new site in this location. And um, I think in part without a dedicated financial analyst um, and without really a governance level driver of financial analysis um, for the health center specifically, not just for the Alameda Health System overall, I think this is to fair to say barely moving, uh, if moving at all. There are plans, I think, to have a consultant come in and support some of this analysis um, in ambulatory. And um, I think if, if uh, Dr. Mack wants to speak more to some of those plans, you know, we also have, we, we're we still have a vacant, you know, um, chief administrative officer role in ambulatory. Um, so our executive leaders are, you know, and then our nursing leader, our new physician leader are also new to the roles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, it takes time to be able to get these things going, going and done. But uh, I, I do think it'll be good for us to have some consulting support coming in and help helping us look yeah. at this. Dr. Mack, I don't know if you want to add anything on this, on this line item. No. Okay. Um, and then the, the, Fourth area is similar to the one above. It's just in addition to thinking about the rate as a revenue source, we obviously need to think about supplemental sources. And so I'll talk in the next um, area about one of those exciting sources, which is the CalAIM program or California Advancing and Innovating Medicaid, uh, Medi-Cal. Loretta, sorry, you were going to say something. No, 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 I'm fine. Thank you. All right, so we can go to the third goal then, potentially. Um, all right, so this one is to create strong and lasting relationships. That was kind of the touchstone that came up in our in, in our retreat, um, was this idea of the, the power and importance of relationships between care teams and people experiencing
existing homelessness. And we wanted to anchor those relationships and identify housing and primary care needs. And this was an area where we felt like we were the farthest away from any activity at the time we adopted the plan that was like really meaningfully moving on this. We're kind of like billing for transactions and providing services more than sort of a lot of relationally oriented work in our, in our health centers. Um, and so um, our, the main thing was just to establish formal collaborations with our common referral partners. Um, and so um, obviously the bridge clinic and HEPAC collaborations we talked about in the other areas um, and we are, um, Heather and myself, continuing to meet regularly with the complex care team and continuing to work um, with them uh, in the CalAIM working group separately, which is the working group on that on that new um, statewide program to innovate Medi-Cal. Um, and so then I added an additional line um, here, which was additional budget proposals to support new follow-up just because we're doing it. So it's like, <laughs> this isn't part of the, it's in bold, it's not part of the plan that you all adopted. Um, but it's entirely consistent with the plan that you all adopted. So I took the latitude to like just say, hey, we're doing something in this area that I think is pretty exciting. And we've been able to, I think, build on the collaborations we've had. And it's also not really something we're doing in the homeless health center right now, but it's we're closely involved with our partners who are, you know, working in the rest of the system. So Alameda Health System was selected for a capacity and infrastructure transition, expansion, and development. That's called CITED. Um, C-I-T-E-D, um, to just add to the acronyms. Um, so an award, uh, a cited award to provide additional enhanced care management to people experiencing serious mental illness. And we do anticipate like the Bridge Clinic, even though this program isn't designed specifically for people experiencing homelessness, that it will add capacity for people experiencing homelessness. And we're exploring a potential role for collaboration with the Homeless Health Center with this population. In our system, enhanced care management is primarily or actually exclusively, um, you know, administered through the complex care function, which is outside of ambulatory and part of the rest of the system, uh, part of part of the, the remaining part of Alameda Health System. But we did recently have Lily McRae, who you all have met um, several times and who leads our complex care team, join our ambulatory leadership team. And I think we're all aware that, you know, over, over time, we're going to be strengthening these collaborations. Um, so I'm excited that, you know, we'll, we'll have um, Lily come back and talk to you in more detail about what this program is going to look like. And, um, and we'll obviously talk to you about how the health center, homeless health center will, will collaborate with this program uh, moving forward. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I was just thinking, um, I doc, we have a dental clinic. Um, how do they, how do our homeless patients get their eyes evaluated and how do they get eye, eyewear? You know, uh, who's, who's providing that to them? Well, I mean, we have comprehensive uh, services, including optometry, you know, at Alameda Health System. Um, and yes. so our homeless patients get access to those things the same way all of our patients do. And a large part of the people that we see experiencing homelessness, as defined by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, are people who are homeless only for a brief period of time. And then they're oh. part of our regular population of patients, okay. right? They're housing insecure. So they're mostly getting care the same way that all of our patients are, through referrals to our same optometry services at Eastmont, at the Highland Campus. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what you're highlighting Potentially, Loretta, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Because, <laughs> you know, for 
those folks who are chronically homeless, who have higher barriers to care, um, yeah. that that those same systems don't necessarily work to deliver things like eyeglasses or dental care. And and I think most of the work that we do in that area really is grant funded, you know, in a small program that's a, a pilot, and it's not necessarily part of our. Um, it's not necessarily part of the structure of how we design the ongoing services. And, and so I think hmm. there is, you know, there is a spectrum of the way that we kind of approach dealing with those services. And the, the highest needs people experiencing homelessness are people that, you know, I, I absolutely think we can do a better job of getting access to those kinds of services. I, I don't know how exactly. You know, right, right. Come on, a better plan. Come on with a better plan that, um, make the access easier just like you said a lot of people it's just not their time and it's hard to get them to go and to get service at at certain times it's just almost overwhelming for them to find a a, a path of intake or or we've got to reach them um, better we've got to get to them better because we got to get them started with the plan in order for them to work the plan and that's that's uh the impact community, that's the way we're going to have to do is to get that service like going out to them and, um, you know, document it, uh, Damien. I think it's, that's important because other than that, we're just spinning our wheels in a circle. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll remind you all, and maybe this is a good place to bring Lucy in, is that we're part of a bigger system, right? So the county has contracts with other clinics. We are Alameda Health System. Um, does not retain sole responsibility for people experiencing homelessness right, across right. the county. So, you know, the other the other community clinics in our area and certainly our county partners are part of launching that bigger that bigger plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, given the staffing resources that we have and and the you know the real um, the real commitment we have to the broader community of Alameda Health System. This is where we're at in terms of the, the places that we're focused on, you know, as a co-applicant board. And I, I'd love, I'd love to see, you know, more detailed plans, both for our individual patients who are homeless and for us as a as a health center. Um, as long as we also see detailed implementation of those plans. Yeah. I can I can see where we fall short in um, providing information to our patients, whether they're chronically homeless or whether they're at that in-between stage or newly housed or whatever, um, about where to go to find these affordable things. Um, I, I don't want this to sound like, um, it, I think it's an area that maybe could use some um, looking into, but no one can really tell you at Alameda Health System where to go to find glasses that you can afford. You know, at least I'm, I'm speaking from a personal experience when I was trying to find glasses, when I didn't have insurance, and, you know, no one could tell me. Well, I think this one might. You could try calling here. You could look, you know, you could look on the Medi-Cal list on the Internet, and you can call them, and every single one of them said they're no longer taking Medi-Cal patients, this kind of thing, you know. So there's a lot of runaround. There's a lot of misconnect there that I think could be done better. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear any arguments from me on that? So Loretta, uh, Dr. Mack, of course, Mack, one of the things we're working on is um, to really enhance our care teams 
for those type of items, right? Yeah. So those things that um, impact health and wellness, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I say, you can't write a well. I guess you can write a prescription for glasses, but where do you then find them, and where exactly. how do you find them? Exactly. And so that's really a focus at uh, an amatory is again to make that part of the care mm -hmm. team. So when you go in and you see that optometrist and perhaps you need something else beyond that, that there's right. someone there to help navigate our patients for resources. Right. AHS as well as within the community. Yeah. Because Medi-Cal is not really, um, they, need to, they need to do their part too. I realize that, you know, they're falling short in getting providers to be willing to, um, to see these, you know, people on Medi-Cal, to even accept Medi-Cal. Um, but I know, like I said, from my own personal experience, no one could tell me where to go. It took a while. I, I'm a researcher, so it's no problem. But I'm not the normal person. You know what I'm saying? Your normal person is not going to do what I do. Trust me, they're not. You know, and I, and I have the time to do it. So I'm, I'm very thankful that I can do that. But um, if I was just a person trying to make, you know, food for my kids every day and just trying to get through the day and finding some kind of work, I wouldn't have time to do this, what I do. So there has to be better connect. That's that's the thing. I really feel that. May, hi, this is Lucy from Healthcare Health. I just wanted to chime in and just go back for a minute. And I think this is such an important conversation. And I just want to lift up kind of what Damon was saying and in response to kind of some of your really important points, um, Derek, as well. It is, I think that these are, right, these are, they're, Optometry is a perfect example where there is a huge need for, right, for the homeless population, not just, right, and people lose them because of moves, et cetera, right? Yeah. So it's not a one-time need. Um, and I do just want to kind of add on, so I think the work in HS, but what Damon was saying too about kind of like the system. And so that's part of really our shared work is how do mm -hmm. people effectively navigate back and forth across kind of homeless systems of care? Right. So how do they, right, system? Right? How do they come into HS for specialty or and or for primary care, but maybe tap out and you know, but then also utilize other resources? So yeah. I think that that is really lifting up an area of shared work about how do we really leverage what we all bring, right? right? And then how do we help support people in effectively navigating through? Exactly, exactly. The collaboration, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you, Lucy. Great, I think that concludes the strategic plan update that I have for you all. I'm happy to take any more questions. So we're waiting on the, on the budget, correct? Um, yes, we do not have a current year budget. Um, we, so yeah, like for example, the size of expansion that the bridge clinic represents, I can't report out to you guys. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I, we're having internal conversations with, uh, executives at AHS with regard to how to present you guys a budget for the current period. So our last budget expired in December. Um, we did talk to you all about the fact that 
Uh, you, you all have already seen reports from finance that show that we actually have a new entity, a new financial entity called FQHC that the Board of Trustees is now seeing, which is a tremendous amount of really important work that's been done by our finance team to actually help us see the finances in that way that aligns with the way that the rest of our system sees the finances. Mm-hmm. Um, but that hasn't progressed all the way to the point to be able to produce a budget for us that we can approve as a co-applicant board. And we would usually approve that a budget for the next calendar year, like January through December. We usually approve it in August as part of the county process to submit their report to HRSA. Um, this year, we asked the county to allow us not to submit a new report that they could use prior data to submit their report to HRSA. Um, but, um, you know, we we still do not, as at this point in time, have a calendar year budget for January through December of 
This is an action item, action discussion item for the National Healthcare the Homeless Conference coming up. And um, to nominate and approve um, CAB member members to attend it. I went last year and I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, Heather, did you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, so the National Healthcare for the Homeless uh, Conference uh, happens every year. Uh, it's coming up in May. Uh, we have the dates there, May 15th through 18th. Um, I do have an adjustment to our budget on there. I know that I wrote the approximate cost is $2,000 per person, and we've that was um, previous years, and due to flights increasing in price significantly, the actual cost per person this year is roughly $3,700 per person, oh, wow. which is a lot higher. Um, than we than we usually spend for this conference. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of it does have to do with flights and hotel stays, and not the actual cost of the conference. Um, right. In previous years, we would have definitely been able to send more based on the amount that we had had budgeted in our our grant grant budget. So we would be able to send uh, probably one staff member from our program. So through the mobile health program, we typically send one staff member. And then this year, we're suggesting that we send one board member as well. So we do have some other money outside of the subrecipient agreement, $5,000 for training that we would be able to allocate so that we could send one of each uh, staff yeah. person or, and a board person, a CAB member. So. I think, Loretta, actually, I've never been to the conference and you have, so you'd be the best one to talk about how valuable the conference is and and yeah. talk to your fellow board members to find out who might be interested in going this year. And uh, it's, it's really um, informational and just it's a wonderful experience because you get to hear stories from all over and, and you get to hear solutions that um, that different health organizations have uh, found that worked for them and, and how they implemented them. And there's just so much valuable, valuable information there. And um, I think anyone that goes will, will come back with a wealth of information, a lot of questions, a lot of, um, it, it made me question a lot of the things that we do here and why we don't do this and that, you know. And, and of course, um, you know, every state is different. Every entity is different. So everybody has to operate under their own design conditions, you know. But um, I, I just, I absolutely love these kind of conferences. I think they're, they're so worthy, <laughs> you know. And you won't be alone. Like I said, we would have a member of our team also would be going, as well as um, Lucy's team sends folks each year as well. I'm not sure how many they would be sending this year, but uh, you'd be around other people from Alameda County who are, okay. are I would say, have some familiarity. Uh, this year's conference is happening in Baltimore, Maryland, so it's um, on the other coast. Mm -hmm. so it is a big trip. You could change time zones. So. Mm -hmm. Do we have any interest from any board members that would be interested in self-nominating? Of course we do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> this, this is where I typically hand it off to Kayla to say, Kayla, uh, Kayla. help me get them to nominate each other or themselves. 
Well, yeah, sure. We don't need an action for the nomination if we have. I saw Loretta and I saw Derek. We have space. I'm sorry, I had you said for two. Well, we have space for one board member and one staff member. Um, okay. And in the past, also, we have had a board member who chose to go and pay for it themselves. And that is also another op option that you can do. Um, and uh, so that's, that's okay. an option. Yeah. Okay. I like to keep that in mind because I'm a solution uh, chaser, Heather, and uh, I'm looking for solutions because they're coming at us, you know, a rapid fire right now. Especially this uh, pandemic has opened up a lot of doors of people with co-occurring disorders, and they, yeah, I mean, they're coming out of the woodwork. So we got to get a head start on this, you know, on, on everything that, that that this world is presenting to us. You know, it's, it's, I've never seen it like this at any time. In, and history in it, and it's kind of frightening for the people who who are not thinking ahead. Most people are thinking just for today, and we're and we're we're getting overwhelmed, we're getting swamped. So I like to chase some solutions and find some answers. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. So we have two self nominations, but only one spot. So at least in terms of the budget like Heather just mentioned, that would be covered, right? So we'll I, need... I, mean, I, I if, if Derek wants to go, I would, because I went last year, I, I would, you know, concede to him. Okay, and I think like Heather said, it, it's still an option if you wanted to consider it, um, but not through the budget. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we have only one nomination, which is Derek, we would just need that to be approved by the CAB through a motion to approve Derek to go unless is there anyone else all right hearing none so we would first need a motion and the second for Derek to attend the conference can I make a motion to approve Derek jr. to attend the National Health Care for the Homeless conference I second that and then Brenda would you mind doing a vote on that motion I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Loretta Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. B. Franks Walker? Yes. Tammy Waslin? Wassell? I'm sorry. Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. And then Heather, you'll be in contact with Derek to correct. So then the, yeah. we'll get the details um, from you, Derek, and we'll start to make the arrangements mm -hmm. for my team. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, you won't be disappointed. Take your tape recorder. <laughs> tape recorder. Is that what we use? No. Take your cell phone. <laughs> oh, Dating I do have myself. a question. <laughs> yes, Mark. Yeah, one quick question. I um, so one 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 person from our board can go. Um, uh, we're appointing Derek. Um, but you also mentioned Heather. Um, uh, another um, a, a staff person would also be in attendance. Um, do you know who that staff person will be? 
I don't know yet. The team, uh, the mobile health team is discussing it. Uh, similar to, you know, any group, there's, there's desire from multiple parties and they're negotiating the terms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. As soon as we know, and in some cases too, you know, it's like which budgets we're able to pull from for different people. So some people, one, another, an additional staff person may choose to use a different resource rather than this part of the budget to go. So you may end up with more than one staff member when, when it comes down to it, uh, but that we're working that out right now. I think it would be a good idea that um, if and when another, uh, when a staff person is um, decided upon that um, before uh, before leaving that um, Derek gets a, um, gets acquainted with them so um, they can hook up uh, at, uh, at the conference and um, that way um, you kind of have a you kind of have a partner yes. and you're kind of working together and you're kind of you got somebody you got somebody there to to exchange yeah. ideas and go back and forth during the conference yeah. I think this is this is a good time to say that when I was in Lucy Kasdan's role, the county did extend some grant funding to have the system to have multiple staff members go to the Healthcare for the Homeless conference. So maybe maybe the county could do something like that again. Yeah. Yeah. Good suggestion. I know. I, I know. We are definitely. I'm listening keenly, and I think. And we also want to uh, give money also for one of the substitutes, like somebody from Bridge also. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but yes, Damon and Heather, I'm happy to talk with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, um, um, I'm glad that um, that was mentioned because, um, I, I, as some of you know, I, I, I sit on the, um, uh, the, the cab um at the um trust clinic and uh over the last subsequent years that um the conferences have been held uh we have gotten dollars from the county itself um to sponsor members from the cab to go so that 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 might be an avenue to um to look into to to possibly get another person to go as well that's awesome Thank you, Mark. Are you going, Mark, this year? Uh, no. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay, well, uh, let um, me know. <laughs> we we yeah. will let you know, and certainly if we need to bring this back, um, there is plenty of time. That's one of the reasons we wanted to get this on the calendar now. This is the, uh, we got the early bird special uh, for the conference registration ends at the end oh. of um, this month. And so it was my team who reminded me to, to get get things going, get yeah. moving, so that we can uh, also beg for additional funds if we if we heard of significant interest from the cab as well. So thanks well, for speaking up today. Lucy, do you know if anyone from your um, from your department is presenting again this year? Um, yes. We have one presentation this year, Dr. Bird, who I know you all, I think you all know, yeah. um, um, who is, um, is our director of integrated care, as well as um, our partners with um, Cardia Health, they're gonna be presenting. And just echoing what you said too, and others about meeting up there, you know, I've always like, Juan and I have always had a good time connecting at the conferences, so definitely I think yeah. having 
you know, having spaces where we can connect. So, Derek, look forward to connecting with you there. Yes. Yes. Good, good, good. Okay. So, um, and we're done with that. Um, oh, okay. Hi there. Item G, commonly used acronyms. Hey, thank you so much. Yes, it's the, it's the uh, Heather time of the report. Um, <laughs> I want to thank Loretta for reminding us that we use a lot of acronyms while we're here at Alameda Health System, AHS, and sometimes we move quickly through reports and forget to stop and explain all these acronyms that we're using. So we have a tool here at Alameda Health System that has a whole list of acronyms that are used throughout our system. Um, and I want to encourage you also to please, anytime you hear us using an acronym, mm -hmm. feel free to call it out. You can write it down in the chat or anything like that. Um, and we will, we will respond with the explanation of what that acronym is. So I, I welcome you to slow us down. Um, I do try to put the acronyms with the explanation when I'm using them into the memos or into the presentations um, as often as I can, but I know that I, I can overlook them. Um, so if you want to go to the next um, sheet, Ms. Brenda, so you guys will all have a copy of this. It's a very long list, and this is one of the challenges, right? We are using acronyms all the time. Some of them roll off the tongue very quickly, like you heard earlier as uh, we refer to HRSA. We don't even say HRSA to give a clue that it's uh, an acronym, we refer to it as HRSA, Health and Services Administration is one that we use quite often. I did add some of the specific uh, co-applicant board terminology in here as well. So TAB, co-applicant board, has been added to the Alameda Health System <laughs> master list. So there you go. You're on there now. Um, but yeah, I think these are really helpful acronyms um, that you'll see throughout. If you go on to the next Page, Brenda, thank you so much. You know, another some of the other ones that that stand out that we use quite frequently. You'll hear FFS, C for service. Mm -hmm. You'll be hearing about that a lot. Uh, FQHC, which we also mentioned earlier, the Federally Qualified Health Center, to give some more information about that. Mm -hmm. You'll um, hear about FPL, the Federal Poverty Level. Um, these are these are common ones that we're using. The EHR in our case, we're using Epic, but that's our electronic health record. Um, you'll hear QIP, QPP. You'll hear lots of things uh, coming up. So please uh, review the acronym list at your leisure. You do not need to memorize these uh, at all. Um, maybe have it with you at your yeah. at our board meetings so that if yeah. we uh, so we have a presentation, them. you know, I, I, we can, we can just remind ourselves to slow down. Yeah. We'll talk about things like FTEs a lot when we talk about the budget. How many FTEs is that? We're really just talking about how many full-time people work here. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll tend to mm -hmm. use words like FTE. In it. All right. Any questions about the acronyms? I hope you find this tool useful. It's very useful. And, and, and there's, I don't even know some of the acronyms we use sometimes, um, you know, the actual letters, what they stand for sometimes. I, the, I know we're talking about um, APMs a lot lately, and I'm always like, wait, what's APM again? What's, what, are, what are those 
letters stand for? I had alternative payment methodology or I'm always thinking it's advanced or something. I, I throw another word. So, I mean, it's complicated. <laughs> Even when you work in the business, it's hard to keep track of all the letters. Absolutely. Um, I have a question. Yes. Uh, for, for us, uh, for those of us who don't um, actually have printers and would like a hard copy of this, is it possible to get one? Well, funny you ask there, Mark. <laughs> you know, next month we're going to be in person. Yeah. So oh, I, I, I shall make a special request to Brenda to help us out yeah. by printing up some copies of these so that you can pick one up in person. That would be great. That sound good? Yeah, it sounds great. Uh, let us know how many of you want them because it is a couple pages long. But it's not like 20 pages long, though, so. It's 38. Well, 38 the whole package. Just the acronyms. Just the acronyms, I think, is four pages. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Great question. Yes. Okay. Okay. And um, Heather, uh, for H, our program reports. Thank you so much. Time for your monthly program report as well, where we review the statistics and utilization of the Homeless Health Center. Um, I don't have any updates in relationship to our compliance or program requirements, um, and that happens sometimes. That's very normal that nothing related to that has happened in the past month. Can you go on to the next page, please, Brenda? Thank you so much. So here we have, as we always do, look at our number of patients that we're seeing in each of our departments across ambulatory care for a one-year period. And so you can see that the number right now is like 3366 patients unduplicated in ambulatory care. And where they're being seen uh, at Highland Primary Care, at Highland Specialty, Highland Urgent Care, Highland Dental Oral and Dental Health, um, the Substance uh, Disorder Clinic, which is also known as the Bridge Clinic, uh, Eastmont, the Mobile Van Hayward, and Newark. And then when we look at our next slide, we'll see that over time. So this is a full year all gathered together of what happened. And then if you go to the next slide, here it is um, as we're looking over time in each of those spaces. So you'll see from February of 2022 through January 2023, kind of the rate at which we're seeing patients. And um, you'll see, uh, for example, that up, uphill climb again at urgent care. You'll see the, the changes in the um, disorder clinic. All right, and then when we look at the next one, what we're looking at is the number of visits. So the first one was actual patients, unduplicated patients, and this one is going to be the number of visits. So how many times did people come to see us in these various places? And we break this down by how many times are they coming to a primary care visit, how many times are we seeing patients in specialty care, urgent care, et cetera. And again, we usually notice that our specialty care is more than our primary care, and that's because some of our patients are coming for specialty only and they have their primary care elsewhere. So, Derek, this is uh, a little bit of the data that you were asking about mm -hmm. earlier, just in terms yeah. of utilization and where it's happening across our clinics. Yes. yes. 
if we go to the next slide, Brenda, thank you so much. We are going to again look at that over time. Um, Heather, is, um, if you could refresh my memory, Urgent Care, haven't they uh, changed their hours or they're going to be changing their hours? Is that correct? Or Urgent Care may be talking about um, their hours. Something about cutting, cutting the weekend or I, I'm. Any changes in operational hours would be coming here. Uh, I will just say that. So because okay. it's it's you guys have authority over the the hours of operation for the homeless health center, and I've just heard the vaguest of whispers around changing times at urgent okay. care. So so okay. you're ahead of it, Loretta. I would. I I, mu I must have read a memo. I don't know. That's why I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay. Mm. All right, any questions around the uh, visits? Our final our final slide is always a, a fun fun one. Um, and, and most of this is the same as last year, there, or I'm sorry, last month. There are not any significant changes here. It's just a reminder of the work that we're doing, um, both for the Homeless Health Center and outside of the Homeless Health Center with an ambulatory care. Um, and that is continuing. So there's, there's nothing really new here as compared to last month. We do remind you of what's happening. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I don't believe we have any public comment this evening, do we? Let's think. And how about any co-applicant board member comments? Anyone want to say anything? Will we adjourn? I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you all. You guys are motivated by love, and I love you people for being motivated just by that. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day to you all. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. Okay. I will say thank you, Damien, for giving us uh, insight on what's going on with the, some of the patients. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, really insightful. And it shows that the work that we're doing is not going in vain. So keep up the good work. Thank you. We'll try to get some other clinicians to come and, and do the same for you guys in the future. Hopefully the Bridge Clinic. I'd love to hear from the Bridge Clinic after they, especially since they got all this new money. I'd like to hear what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've been, they've been fairly recently, but I think we're planning to bring them back with some regularity, maybe a couple times a year. So yeah, yeah. it's been less than six months since they've been, but they'll be back for sure. That's good. That's good. Um, what else is I going to ask? Another question. Oh, well, I don't remember. Okay, so if there's no other comments, um, the time is 6.57 and we are adjourned. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all you board members for coming out on um, this homework holiday. 
Um, I know it's just a Hallmark holiday, but it does matter. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Stay well, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.